Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wabo's most besieged work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. That's me. And 12.1 begins with Blake finally reuniting with his delightful cabal, and they are not looking too hot. Uh, they are all pretty beaten up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, interestingly, Tiff is the most okay, which is yeah. like... Not been the trend for the rest of the story. Yeah, especially, uh, wasn't she the most close to Paper Girl, which was presumably the thing that got to them so far? Uh, no, Paper Girl specifically went after Alexis, I'm pretty sure. Uh, um, which would explain why Alexis is really yeah. not doing great. Uh, yes, uh, that's, well, and we, we won't even more why later, but uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm just interested because, like, Blake basically says Tiffany just seems, like, you know, quite nervous and tense, but that's like her general state of being these yeah. days pretty much so she's uh like i feel like she just max maxed out in in levels of terror like a month ago <laughs> and so there's just like she, she's just like kind of coping like, yeah uh, yeah also there was a bit there was a bit last chapter where we quickly talked about um you know how she did the nice thing and gave midge the coat yeah and she kind of reminds me like you know this is something people say about blake a lot and how well he's dealing with this stuff so again like i just feel like there's another weird line being drawn between tiff and, and blake yeah Tiffany is also a, a reflection of somebody else, <laughs> but we just don't know. We've never met them. So, um, yeah. Uh, although we know that Tiff, uh, from what she said, has like specialized in defensive stuff. So presumably she mm. would be the most capable of keeping herself safe, uh, potentially putting other people to the wolves, but you know, whatever. Um, I don't think she'd do that. <laughs> not in, not not intentionally, but just if you're <laughs> if you're like a defensive practitioner, your stuff would be all about protecting yourself and redirecting attacks and stuff, right? I don't know. Um, Maybe. Uh, so they all head downstairs, and uh, the uninitiated Thorburns are kind of rightfully confused that Ava is now just on Team Thorburn. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it hadn't occurred to me that that was something they were going to have to explain to normal people. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, also, it's nice of Eva that she is, you know, doing this for Andy, right? Like, if she was a complete psychopath, she would have left him. I know we're talking the bare minimum here, but uh, I I would like to hear you admit that she's doing something good. Oh, uh, no, she is, um, she, she clearly cares about Andy a lot. Uh, and she kind of likes to pretend that he's just there to rein her in, but clearly she is as reliant on him uh, as as he is reliant on her ass-kicking abilities, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they're a great team. Like, we've talked about this. Like, as a, as a duo, they really complement each other very well. Yes, and to Ava's credit, she is self-aware enough to know that she does need Andy, which is the level of self-awareness that I don't necessarily think I would have ascribed to her. I also note that you're sort of spinning this so that she's only doing this because she thinks she needs him, not because she, she cares about him. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, damn that's right. Fine. <laughs> no, Ava does. Uh, begrudgingly, I have to admit that Ava does kind of grow on me a bit over the course of this chapter, just because she's so useful. Like she's so incredibly useful <laughs> to the group. Um, yeah, it's hard yeah, not she's to a, appreciate that. She's a real river tam in this in this episode. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, uh, so, so here's an interesting thing. Alexis come down, comes downstairs and basically is trying to explain to the Thorburns that they're still in, in deep shit here. Um, and I don't know what it is. Maybe she has good karma because every time somebody like challenges her on the idea that they might not be in danger, 
basically the universe itself serves to emphasize her points. <laughs> like somebody starts to make a point and then someone screams and they kind of lose the momentum halfway through or just something that there's always something that seems to back up what she's saying, which I like. Um, although I, I don't know if it's karma though, because she doesn't, uh, based on how things go for her this chapter, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if she's done anything to rack up bad karma yet. It could it could be that. Um, mm. I don't know if she's had enough time to rack up particularly good karma either. Um, but you're right. There is a bit of a trend of uh, people's uh, arguments being disrupted by uh, the shit going on outside um, in a timing that is maybe a little bit suspicious. Um, I mean, I, I just... For me, all this Alexa stuff, I just... I felt so bad about the whole thing of how she's not letting Blake see her face like, he even tries to scope around to have yeah. a look at multiple yeah. times, and she sees him and hides it, and it's like... Uh, well, I was so torn, because I was like, at one thing, like, the fact that she cares what he would think is, like, a positive sign about, like, how their relationship is going on her end, but then at the same time, like, this is such a terrible thing. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm sort of like, oh, look, this is, you know, I'm trying to be glass half full and be like, look, there's a positive side to the yeah. fact that she's wanting to hide this, uh, but... I, I don't know if I can quite convince myself. Uh, I mean, even the fact she, she's like wearing the mirror, which is this great thing because she's keeping Blake close and that's like such a good sign, but also means that he can't look at her. Like like the imagery there is, is so spot on to exactly what's happening here. Like she's she's sort of keeping him close and trusting him, but also not not wanting to reveal to him how bad she is. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to interpret it because I... I guess you're right that it could be interpreted as as her uh, not wanting him to kind of think badly of her based on her physical appearance, I suppose. But that doesn't feel Alexis-y to me. She, like, she doesn't... I don't know. I, I kind of see it more as she doesn't want him to worry or be upset at her for ha- be- being injured, something like that. I, I don't know. I, I think... God, I, I hate I hate to repeat this mantra. I think it's both, um, <laughs> because um, yes, like I, I agree that part of it is her not wanting Blake to to fret because you know the the stuff he said to her over the past handful of chapters, um, he absolutely will stop everything if Alexis is hurt and she knows that. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, Blake has brought up multiple times in the story like she has that smile that she does and she hides yeah. her teeth. Yeah, because she yeah. doesn't like her teeth. So I actually think it is sort of in character for her to be a little bit insecure about that sort of stuff. May I? Um, Potentially, it's a uh, she's saving it. She's going to show Blake how fucked up she is at a point when she needs him to freak out and go all rage monster because that's basically what she did two or three chapters ago, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a nice positive spin on it. Like I can get behind that because that's is it positive? Uh, it's a bit well, manipulative, I would say um yeah but i don't know it's it's not the worst outcome i can get behind it yeah yeah um so the uninitiated thorburns basically are struggling to wrap their head around how they're still in danger especially because they thought ava and andy were the main threat and they are now apparently neutralized um so they it's hard for them to kind of comprehend no 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 your life is still very very much in danger (laughs) yeah this this was just the first wave um I mean, I love that Roxanne is almost kind of into it. Like, there's a there's one beat where they're just kind of like Roxanne is in awe at what's going on. Yeah. And I was just thinking, you know, I think Peter was right. Yeah, she was wasted. About her. yeah, because like if I think if Rose Senior had seen this side to her, there might have been a slightly different uh, arrangement in the order of the uh, well 
inheritance. That's assuming that Rose Senior wants uh, a psychopathic 12-year-old <laughs> who can become a practitioner. Well, she's not above carving out the bits she doesn't like. Okay, I think like, <laughs> yeah, Roxanne, Roxanne maybe represents a, a, a nice lump of clay to get started from. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That is a fair point. If you want a, if you want a young Ava, you start with a Roxanne and you just trim away <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah. There's this other line that I really like where Ellie is, is really basically being the thorn in everyone's side. And Peter mutters under his breath, why are you only so smart when it helps you be wrong? Which is a very relatable uh, way to deal with Ellie's frustration here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's equal parts hilarious and like cathartic. Um, I mean, there's another... There's another point where Blake is like, oh, Ellie's frustrating me despite the fact I'm not even in touch with my emotions, <laughs> uh, which is which is like hilarious again. And also is, is talking about a lot of stuff that, that we'll get into uh, regarding Blake and his emotions this chapter. Yes. Um, so the Thorburns continue to bicker uh, until their bickering is in- interrupted by one of the others outside accidentally setting off one of these bombs. Um, and this blows a hole in the window. And from there, they are able to... Uh, breach the house i suppose yeah but people are still bickering after this like just everyone <laughs> everyone just listen to the people who know what are going on like yeah. just stop being such difficult thorburns yeah no they they really are i mean god <laughs> they they really are thorburns aren't they they've really earned the name thorburn um so and, and just at every time i hear i i see someone being such a thorburn i can't help but think god they're being such a blake and rose as well like <laughs> The more we see of the Thorburns, the more I'm just like, God, these two were just members of the family, weren't they? Yeah, they're just such Thorburns, classic Thorburns. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we kind of touched on on my whole thoughts around Ava this chapter. Like, she's such a badass, um, and it kind of makes me feel that if we were introduced to her in an action chapter like this, instead of in a kind of more peaceful negotiation during Mags's interlude arc... I can actually see myself starting with a much more positive impression of her, because she's so efficient and useful in this chapter um yeah i mean she absolutely kicks ass um yeah yeah um so some others start making their way in including uh the pizza revenant uh a clock boogeyman and the faceless woman um they all kind of make their way inside and start fucking shit up uh, and ava almost betrays the crew but then blake kind of threatens andy and she also just kind of seems to want to jump in and start kicking some ass uh, <laughs> yeah. so she starts fighting the pizza revenant no, I, I I really like that bit where she's just kind of standing there, not doing anything, and Blake's like, "Eva, you got to help us," and he's getting ready to prepare a threat, but she kind of just jumps at the first excuse to uh, go to town on yeah. these others. Uh, she's, uh, yeah, she's great. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, interestingly, the Revenant talks a bunch about how the bell has them all riled up mm. and it took me back to to what you brought up in uh 11.x how uh green eyes is all like oh i like the bell um i mean it's interesting i wonder if it's because we know it's sort of spreading negative energy i think that was mentioned when it first started and i wonder if like you know that just has an extra effect on uh you know our boogeymen and, and people from the abyss uh like you know it was it was sort of hitting green eyes it seems like it seems like the the boogeyman are the people who talk about the effects of the bell the most with the exception of blake um who doesn't seem to think it's having much of an impact on him but uh he just talked about how out of touch with his emotions he is and and um i wouldn't be surprised I, well, i'd be willing to bet that it's having a lot more of an effect on him than he realizes yeah he's definitely been uh hearing it like kind of i would even say yes. feeling it to the extent that he kind of has 
noticed it. But you're right that he hasn't at least called out, oh, I feel like I'm being more aggressive or whatever. Um, no, he, he, he always brings up he can hear it. And there's usually it's usually when he's doing crazy stuff or like, it's always... It's always around big moments, but he never he never connects that. He never says, "Oh, the bell is tolling, and I feel this." It's always the bell is tolling while he's doing something crazy. Yeah. Do you think that it has impacted his, for example, the decision to kind of indoctrinate the Thorburns? Yeah, I, like I think it might have. Um, mm. I, I'd, I'd be interested to sort of really go back and, and read it with a like more fine tooth comb and and see how much that does correlate um, with, with things like that. I, I do think, you know, every other boogeyman has sort of talked about how the bell gets them excited. And I mm. think it's it's hard to believe that as Blake has restarted just jumping headfirst into fighting Bahames and stuff, that the bell's mm. not having an impact there. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, and then basically the remainder of this chapter is just Ava beating the shit out of some others. Um, <laughs> like, things go pretty badly for most of the characters, uh involved at this point uh except ava just kind of beats the shit out of some others and it's kind of fun to watch <laughs> yeah like she's very good at her job yeah uh, definitely she can she can hunt them witches and others mm. uh i i, I want to pull out one bit though from uh where peter is fighting with the uh clockwork boogeyman mm. uh because i didn't process this the first time i went through the chapter and then the second time it sort of actually hit me what what happens here and i was like oh my god um so Peter has, has sort of been slammed into a door and he comes back off of it and uh, the doorknob had shattered on impact with his body. The resulting piece of the doorknob was now a prong of metal, crimson. The blood that had dripped off it in strings was thick, as if it wasn't just blood, but other bits clumped in there too. I could see the blood at Peter's shoulder where it, where it had speared him. Fuck, Peter said, slumping to the ground beneath the door with a light splash. And now my pants are drenched. That's going to bug me all night. <sighs> um... So like, Peter has been speared by mm-hmm. this doorknob and, and clumps of him that aren't just blood is coming out and he fucking has a little sarcastic comment ready to go. Like, he's a bit of a badass. <laughs> yeah, he, um, yeah, it's interesting. He, he seems to soak up damage rather well uh, for someone who has been described <laughs> quite ca- as quite cowardly, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically they're under attack by a lot of things. Um, Ty seems to be dealing with some gargoyles that we see for like one line, but he's obviously got his own <laughs> shit going on. Um, Alexis. Yeah, I, I really love that bit. Yeah. Like the bit where we just suddenly cut to Ty and it's like, he's crucifying some, some gargoyles. Yeah, he's already killed like and... two gargoyles and there's more. And, he's, and it's like, oh, this is a whole thing. Yeah. And he's just, he's like, he's crucifying them and sticking them on the wall. And Blake's like, oh, I wonder what that's about. But he doesn't have time to do anything. It really paints that picture of like how much shit is going on. Like, like, in case you forget that there's more going on than what Blake is dealing with at any one time, it's just this quick little, yeah, quick little window into how fucked this whole situation is. Yeah, it's kind of messy, right? Tyler's dealing with the gargoyles. Alexis is unconscious. Peter's being chased by uh, by Clock King. Um, Blake is, is basically trying to cut at others with the sword from inside these puddles of water. And uh, Ava is, is trying to behead the pizza delivery guy. There's basically like five or six different things all happening at once. And you can't really track any of them super effectively. Yeah, which is, um, it's great. And it's chaotic yeah. and I love it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, uh, one of the things I really like about this chapter is they are holding themselves, like they are holding out a little bit right like they are Mm. seemingly fighting back the tide um except blake kind of gives us these little reality checks where he points out oh it's only been 20 minutes you know there's still a shit ton of time left (laughs) and it it reminds you like okay they are taking some losses and it might feel like they're holding out 
but that's only because it's been about one hundredth of the time that they actually need to hold <laughs> out to survive. Yeah, it really rams home this sense of hopelessness. Like every time you start to think they're doing all right, uh, Blake just reminds us that they're like half an hour into a fifteen-hour ordeal. Yeah, yeah, uh, it doesn't seem like it's going super well for them. Um, and of course, it can always get worse uh, because the faceless woman (laughs) eventually finally joins the fight um basically deciding that revealing herself to the innocent thorburns is worth it just because she's so thirsty to get in on some of this action well her and the revenant seem to have a little thing about they actually think maybe enough has been done that they won't get the full responsibility or something Mm. um like they they talk about taking a bet um Yeah. yeah i mean yeah i blame the bell no fair. Um, and yeah, uh, at this point, the innocent Thorburns are just complete liabilities, right? Um, which yes. means any benefit they were getting has been completely erased. Uh, not to mention, Alexis is unconscious. She's obviously not going to be much help. Um, and they seem to be pretty fucked. <laughs> yeah, RIP, like, hope. Yep. Um, now, here's an interesting line. Uh, Alexis says to Blake... If I'm thinking maybe since I'm not at my best, I'm all hollowed out inside, you can take me for a ride? And Blake responds, I don't think I can wear the Alexis suit. I'm too solid. It doesn't feel like I can. Um, which, this is a possibility. <laughs> Blake can possess people? Like, shit, that would be wild to see. Um, yeah, I mean, he doesn't even seem willing to, to try. And I guess because it's Alexis, um, that might be part of it. But, oh, oh yeah, he doesn't really feel like it's something he can do. Mm. Uh, but he doesn't He doesn't give it the old college try. Um I mean, like, I think the big thing here is we, you know, we touched on earlier, uh, Alexis sort of trusting Blake or, yeah. you know, everything. And this is like the real moment where you're like, okay, like Alexis definitely trusts Blake. Like this yeah. is actually kind of nice to hear that she's willing to let him possess her. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you have I just, to trust I, another I, pretty I need, much. I needed this. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a nice little uh, boost of morale for Blake, I guess. Yeah, and in fact, I wanted to pull out uh, another small quote from uh, after Blake. Uh, he, he powers her up with uh, a bird spirit mm-hmm. um, since he can't possess her himself. Uh, and so after she gets the spirit, she goes, you feel like this all the time, Blake? Uh, her voice was almost haunting, as if everything I'd heard for a long time had been muffled by the mirror, but her voice was as clear as the bell, resounding here. Mm. Feel like what? Empty, cold, broken, distant, like... The worst night of waking up on the streets when nothing's right and you're shivering and hurt and dirty and hungry and you know it's going to be a long time before you can start to do anything about any of it and you get this feeling in the pit of your stomach. And um, like for me, this was even more valuable than that external look at Blake we got from, from Midge last chapter, like talking mm-hmm. about other point of views getting we're getting at Blake. Um, Blake is so numb to how shit he, he feels all the time now. And yeah, he Alexis- doesn't... He doesn't really- Com- like he says oh yeah that's right but that's kind of how i always feel like it's kind of a non-answer right where he doesn't yeah. kind of call out oh yeah that is actually quite empty and shit <laughs> well what he focuses on out of this is when they both sort of think that he feels incomplete and and he sort of starts to you know tie that into all the tinfoiling about what's going on between him and rose yeah uh, but he doesn't focus on the emotion of it which is like alexis has just sort of spelled out to us that in case you had forgotten as well Blake feels like garbage all the time now, and he's just become numb to it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, we've already touched on multiple times this chapter where Blake or, or someone else mentions how numb Blake is to his emotions. And we've talked a lot the last two arcs about his human versus otherness, and this is like a really bad sign in that department. Like, he seems so detached from what he's feeling. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It, it, it? I mean, it's just, it's a, it's the continual question of how human actually is Blake. Yes, yeah. Um, so Ava continues to uh, kind of fight. She's struggling against both the pizza delivery guy and the faceless woman, but with a little help from Blake and a uh, convenient TV to smash somebody into, uh, she manages to take uh, the pizza revenant out of the fight, um, and the faceless woman follows him outside. I mean, oh, Alexis helped too. She's the one who set the TV on fire. Yeah, true, true. Um, but it's interesting. So so the pizza guy gets set on fire by being chucked into a TV, and he kind of dives outside to, to take care of it, I guess, to do yeah. a stop, drop, and roll. Um, and the faceless woman, you know, she was clearly so excited to eat on some, some tasty snack humans, but even with that, she would rather kind of go and make sure that the pizza revenant is okay, which is... Is weird, right? Like, we talked about this in the interlude uh, last chapter about kind of the humanity of others, and that's what this feels like a continuation of. Like, the faceless woman would rather help her friend than eat some delicious humans. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised to see that her loyalty and self-control was strong enough that she was able to, to you know, take him out like this, or, you know, go out with him like this. Yeah. Like, uh I mean, I still kind of like these two. I know we just had yeah. to fight them and whatnot, but I kind of hope Blake can get them on side in the future because I, I just like these two. <laughs> yeah, they're fun, aren't they? I do really love the Faceless Woman, and I feel like we haven't yet seen her used to her full uh, potential, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, 40 minutes down, 14 hours to go, and the crew give up the bottom floor. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to picture how they can possibly get out of this. Like, I feel like we need a Deus Ex, um... Barbatorum? Uh, no, God, no. <laughs> that about that would be a Deus Ex, actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe Paige and Isadora can show up. Um, I mean, I, like, I was thinking before, like, as this chapter ends, and it's sort of like, okay, we're 40 minutes into the 14 hours, I was like, God, wouldn't it be funny if it's just this whole arc is just the siege of the house, and they barely get by, and then 12.x is, uh, like, at the end, it's just Rose coming home. Rose just like... <laughs> Why is it all so flooded in here? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think they could possibly hold out for another seven chapters, though, looking at how long duress is, so no, yeah. um, I'm hoping... They, like Paige and Isadora are the only thing I can think of that would even remotely be like applicable to coming and saving them. Yeah, so it took forty minutes for the first floor. So presumably in what two hours they'll be on the fourth floor with Barbatorum kind of huddling in the corner. Yeah, it, sorry, you're right. Unless something like Isadora and Paige comes and saves them. The only other way that this ends without our all our core heroes dying is somebody making a really bad fucking mistake. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, Tiffany still is uh, locked in the library right now, so we'll see. Um, so yeah, it's an action chapter. It kind of sets some stuff up. Obviously, things are going badly, but it was quite a fun chapter just watching Ava, you know, kick some kick some ass. Uh, especially trying to yeah. behead Pizza Revenant. I found that very fun. <laughs> yeah, just having a conversation with a guy as you're in the process of cutting through his throat is yeah. pretty crazy and fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I- I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, this chapter was, was largely action, which is, you know, a really fun way to open the arc. But uh, I 
I feel like really the the thing that jumped out to me from this chapter was how many of those beats we hit about how out of touch Blake is with his emotions. And I can't imagine what room we're going to have to explore that with all the shit going on. But yeah. uh, I'm excited to see where we head with that in the rest of the arc. Because I, I assume hitting that so heavily in chapter one implies that it's going to be a bit of a theme for the arc. Yeah, uh, I suppose we'll have to wait and see next time on Deep Impact. Um, but before we go, let's uh, let's dive into some comments that people left on this chapter five years ago today, uh, see people's reactions to the start of Duress. Um, and actually, there were a fair amount of comments that were theorycrafting about how we know the hyena causes wounds that don't heal, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and Blake kind of demonstrates that when he cuts up Clock King this chapter. But he also cuts the hamstrings of the faceless woman, and she's able to kind of recover from that. Um, and there was some a bunch of theories about this. Uh, I think it was eccentric ex hat ex salesmen who theorized that with her kind of ability to knit flesh, she could have kind of paste over the wound, similar to how Blake would um, use glamour to to cover up his own problems. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, although actually, uh, in a comment a little further down the page, while Bo confirmed that she was actually just healing through the effect which again indicates faceless woman has power that we just haven't seen her be able to use yet (laughs) and i really want to see it more um we saw her fuck up ava's arm this chapter and that was pretty fun i suppose depending on how much you hate ava but i want to see more of it (laughs) uh yeah i agree if she is just straight up healing through it I mean, that implies that she's got some serious power under the hood. Mm. Um, The idea that she's using her particular set of skills to kind of more cheaply heal around it um, probably makes more sense to me, given how much we've seen the hyena affect pretty powerful things. But who knows? Maybe I'm underestimating uh, our faceless woman. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've got a nice short one. I I just pulled out a, a funny little comment from Pencil Monkey. Um, who was talking about the Blake versus Revenant fight um, and just referred to it as Pax version of Plants versus Zombies, um, which, <laughs> yeah, yeah I just good. laughed at. Yeah, good um, stuff. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the other comments were just theorizing, which which tends to happen at the start of these arcs. Everyone gets their theory engines turning. And, uh, I mean, there's not much there's not much for me to bring there because I, 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 I can't speculate on any of it. Yeah. I can't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good joke, though, by Pencil Monkey. Uh, top comment. Congratulations. <laughs> um, and that brings us to the end of our discussion on Duress 12.1. Uh, thanks for joining us, folks. If you have any thoughts on this chapter or your own little theories about where this chapter is going to go, make sure you leave them in our discussion thread, which will be linked down in the show notes down below there. Uh, yes, you can also hit us up on Twitter, at MediaMDPodcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find uh, more information on Deep Impact, as well as all the other great shows on the Doof Media Network at the Doof Media website, which is doofmedia.com. Um, all the other great shows you can be f- can be found there, including my eternal favourite, uh, mm, What You Say, which is a great show and yes. I love it very much. I still, I have not seen more than various snippets of the OC over the years from living with people who watch it. I've never really seen much of the show, but I'm I'm loving this podcast. Yeah. I'm loving I'm loving learning about the show not through watching it, but hearing Scott and Elise describe it. Yes, um, I actually realized yeah. I was listening to uh, I think episode six of the show, and I realized that I'd been confusing two characters the whole time in my head. Um, <laughs> there's a character called Jimmy who is the father of one of the characters. And then I was confusing him with a character called Caleb who comes in and I'd realized that I'd completely mixed those two characters up the whole time. 
Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, it, go, go listen and watch you say. Yeah, it's, it's classic. It's, it's classic. It's the most underrated doof show by, by a long way, I reckon. I agree. I, I genuinely, it's, you know how on your podcasting app, there's always a show that whenever you see they have a new episode, it's always the one you listen to first. Um, yeah. That's what you say for me. I love it so much. It's great. Um, yeah, me too. If, um, if you want to support what you say and all the other great shows on the Dwarf Media Network, we are a patron-supported network, which means that we only exist in the form that we exist in because of you folks listening to us. Um, so to continue the great work that we're doing and uh, donate to help keep us alive, you can go to patreon.com slash Media. Yes, and not to put you under too much duress, but you should also nice, Patreon nice. Wildbow. Very organic. Uh, Patreon.com slash Wildbow. Uh, you know, give him some money, hear out the stories. Uh, yeah, we love it. Yeah, um, and that's it for us for this episode. But don't don't fret, we'll be back soon uh, in two days for Duress 12.2. That's Friday the 11th. So we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.